This is a free download from Delancey Elim Church. Meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at La Banks St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us to find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. longest time I thought it was a feeling. What is peace? Is it the absence of problems? You know, as I've got older, I realized everywhere I go in the world, people get hold of me. I, th- I thought this was meant to improve my life. What is peace? Peace is heaven's order here on earth. It's not a feeling. It's not even just the presence of the Prince of Peace. It's heaven's manifest order here on earth. So, we may have our agenda for today, but I believe that God has a better one. We may have our thinking around this gathering, but I think God's thinking is far more brilliant than mine could ever be. And when the saints of Jesus Christ join together, his heart's desire is to pour out his spirit. And the kingdom is a matter of love, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Anybody want an upgrade? Just throw your hands in the air like you just don't care. (laughs) Otherwise known as worship. Just lift your hands for me if you can, please. I know this is odd for some of you. I love this posture. As we come to him in his goodness, we simply recognize our need. Like a child wanting to be lifted by his father to a higher place of elevation, we lift our hands to you, Father, and we say, lift us up where we belong. Lord, would you upgrade our joy? We want to press down, shaken up, and overflowing reality of your presence, Jesus. Let the fullness of the Godhead begin to manifest and dwell richly within the hearts of your people on this island. Amen. Lift them again. We haven't finished. Don't worry. If anything, it gives your armpits an airing, and it's been a while for some of you, so that's okay. (laughs) Who would like an upgrade of heaven on earth? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Not just a feeling that fades whenever problems come. But this incredible sense of God's order. His manifest glory here on earth. Who would like that? And if you're sick, that's the healing you're looking for. If you're broken, that's the beauty you require. If you're ill at rest and you have no peace, that's God coming and taking care of your thoughts and your hearts and your inclinations. If your relationships are broken, that's God turning up and giving you the resolve and the courage to forgive and to move forward. He simply is breathtaking. So Jesus, come amongst us with your peace. Let your kingdom come. Let mine go, please God. It's so inferior to yours. Let your kingdom come. And let your will be done in me and in us, Lord God, here on earth, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can I introduce you to my wife? Would that be okay? She's my first wife. And hopefully my last, if she doesn't give up. (laughs) So, Jane, would you stand and say hello? (laughs) As you can see, I've 
punched above my weight. Jane and I have been married 23 years this year, last weekend, yeah. And um, that may not seem like a massive deal to you, but, you know, I came from a homosexual background and never ever believed I would have a relationship with a woman, let alone be married to someone like that. And um, God has just worked just the most miraculous work in my life. And Jane has been a real gift from God of grace to me on the journey of recovery and restoration. Isn't that good? I thought it was good, you miserable beggars. I thought it was I thought it was good. We're not finished with each other yet, and he hasn't finished with either of us too, and we are delighted to be with you today and it's a real honour to come to a, a gathering like this of incredible people who've been serving God so faithfully. And I can just say out loud how wonderful I think your leaders are. Notice I didn't say perfect. If you look back over the course of your life, the things that really have changed you have not been discipline. The external things do not transform transform our internal realities. The real things that transform us is when we catch a glimpse of something of the nature and the character of God whether that's through scripture or sometimes you can be in a worship environment and just a phrase and a song just becomes your own. Just think, I think God is using that to talk to me or minister to me. And, you know, just in case we're kind of limited in our thinking about that, God used an ass in the historical context of Israel to change the outcome of a nation. I think the key is always being curious about what God's up to. And not getting too familiar or too presumptive that we understand everything about him. So revivals, they come. The move of the Spirit comes. And I've had the great joy of being in some very exciting seasons where the Lord has moved in power. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen cancers fall off people's bodies in front of my eyes. I've seen all kinds of wonderful things. And I'm very grateful that his blingdom came. There were manifestations of his glory and his goodness But beyond them, I had to live my ordinary everyday life. And sometimes there are seasons when he doesn't appear to be moving in the same way. I call it the rhythm of manifestation and hiddenness. Sometimes everything we touch has got God all over it. And other times, no matter what we pray, we can't sense God at all. Has anybody ever been there? So I don't believe that revivals were given to us as a consistent, currently in this kind of age we're living in, they're invitations from the Spirit to move to a higher place of revelation. And out of those encounters and out of those experiences, we now live from a different place. We've beheld him, and now we have the power through that experience to become like him. Ever-changing. Ever-changing. And so the church needs more encounter. I don't think we need sometimes as much more program as we would like, And sometimes we have programs, if I can be bold, can I be bold? I'm going to do it anyway, I don't know why I'm asking you. Sometimes I think we have programs because we don't have encounter. Sometimes we fill our lives up with stuff because the real deal, which is just we're living in awe and wonder and delight in God, isn't a reality for us. And I'm not here to point the finger at anybody, I'm simply here to invite you to think differently about what it is when we ask for a move of the Holy Spirit. We all want God to move, but you do realize he's going to start with you. 
And we are the revival that we're waiting to see happen. And the thing is, we don't even have to go too far to experience that. Because the God of revival lives inside of you. The fullness of God is already in you. See, I believe that because I recognized that a few years ago, when I read the scripture that said, out of my belly would flow rivers of living water, I thought, I'll help him out. I'll have three bellies, three sets of living water. And some of you thin people, you just don't understand who he is. So I don't have to go somewhere to experience revival. I have to abide somewhere to awaken revival. Is the fullness of God living inside of you? Do you lack anything? Talk to me, come on. And sometimes we're looking for an experience and we're the experience we're looking for. We want God to overwhelm us with his goodness. That was a good place to say amen. We want greater revelations of his kindness. Amen? I don't know what you think revival is about, but actually the people who are in revival should be the kindest people on the planet. And sometimes we've thought things were revival, and we've even been in environments that we called revival, but the people became militant and judgmental as a result of their encounters. I would like to suggest that was a misconceived idea of what the fruit of encounter and abiding and beholding was about. We are becoming like him. God is not bitter. And I know this is a big shock for some of us. He certainly isn't judgmental. Do you know why I know that? Because Jesus took the judgment for sin on the cross. It is finished as a phrase that came out of his mouth saying all of that where the law was concerned, has been dealt with. We live in and under a covenant of grace. So these guys have just experienced something amazing, and now they're coming back to their ordinary everyday lives, and in this particular story, they're going back to the things they did prior to even meeting with Jesus. And there's a couple of things about that I want to say, and I can say this a little bit tentatively if I can, I think might be slightly prophetic for our churches here on the island. In fact, I think they're probably prophetic for the church generally in this season. So let's read from verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and began to sink, crying out, Lord, please save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, 
Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And so let me take you right back to the beginning of this scripture. I don't know how you would approach revival or you would approach a move of God. But it seems to me that Jesus had a slightly different agenda than some of the ministers and ministries that I've come across in my short time of walking on the earth with Jesus. Most people, when there's a move of the Spirit, they get on Facebook straight away. They write their latest memoirs of all the great exploits that God has used them in, and they go on a road trip, otherwise known as a ministry tour. They'll contact the God channel, and suddenly you'll find themselves talking about all the great things that happened during the course of this move of the Holy Spirit. And for the rest of their lives, they'll probably dine out on the values and the great experiences they had encountered through that process. And we've had many of those people come through our doors and they've turned up in our churches and we've shared the great stories that they have encountered with awe and wonder. But not Jesus. Jesus doesn't go to Facebook. He doesn't even meander like the pastor does at the end of his church service to find out how good he was. He doesn't ask the worship team to strike up another 12 bars of how great is our God So that we can carry on pressing through. What does Jesus do? He models for us a lifestyle choice of intimacy and connectivity where the source of all that was demonstrated publicly was truly found. He goes back to his private world. He goes back to his relationship with his father. And can I just suggest to you, church, however great a move of God that we experience, the real goal of that move is not that the earth is changed, but that we are drawn deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into a personal relationship with the one who gave us everything. See, real revival should draw me nearer to God, not necessarily nearer to people. And if you look back over the course of those who've experienced great revivals, The greatest thing that they testify of is their longing and their passion for the presence of God was increased as a result of those experiences. They could not wait to be with him. The people became a byproduct of that. The outworking of such was that God did miraculous things in and through their lives. But where was the source of their power? Where did it truly come from? Was it the mission experience? Was it the ministry mayhem of all kinds of wonderful and glorious exploits of God's kingdom invading the earth in signs and wonders and great, great testimonies? No, the power is always found in prayer. So if you want revival here, let's not have in meetings and let's have the meeting that changes everything about you. Now, I'm not against meetings. I learned, I've learned over the years to accept that part of the dynamic of how I walk with Jesus is there will be other people involved. Do I like you? I'm not sure. Because in spite of the rumors, I'm actually quite an introvert. But power is not found in a gathering like this. It's found in the presence of God. Right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, we missed this so gloriously. We're just a little bit blindsided by what we think is a formula for impacting the world. Because the question the disciples ask in Matthew chapter 6 is, how can we be like you? Jesus, we notice that you live differently. Everywhere you go, things happen. What is it about you? And Jesus brings them to a place of trying to understand that this stuff does not happen through the means and the mechanisms that they're familiar with. He opens the sentence by saying, 
You've seen it modeled to you that the Pharisees and scribes stand on street corners with their pontifications and their ministries. But that doesn't work. If you truly want to be influential and change the world, go into your room. Shut the door. And your father who sees what happens in secret, listen church, put your seatbelt on, will reward you in public. Could it truly be that revival draws us closer to intimacy with God? And maybe in some senses us, causes us to prefer that than some of the grandiose notions that we're going to change the world. I would like to suggest to you that Jesus models for us that it does. And every time there was a great move of God in any particular environment Jesus was in, you'll find a pattern. He went back to be with his father. Why? Because what his father sees happen in secret has a demonstration that becomes evident in public. So the greatest, the most glorious invitation that the Spirit has for us this morning is that you should be with him. I'm sorry it doesn't sound exciting enough. But there's a cry somewhere underneath all the voices in your life. All of the busyness, all of the desires for all kinds of things. There's a cry that goes a little like this. As the deer pants for streams of water. My soul longs after you, O God. Underneath the responsibilities of our lives and the desires to do it right and to be the best person we can, there's this still small voice that says, come away with me. Come abide in me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You see, church, our greatest governance on the earth isn't all the things we think it is. That's not where change and transformation happens in society. Do you know where it happens? If my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and turn from everything else that they thought worked and seek my face, I will pour out my spirit on their barren land. You see, Jesus knew where power came from and it doesn't come on a platform. And it doesn't come from prophesying over the nations. And it doesn't come from demonstrating the power of God to feed four or five thousand people. It comes out of intimacy. There is no authority without intimacy. There is no impact without intimacy. And the greatest privilege you and I have is that we can be with him. The veil has been rent into. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God apart from your busyness. Your preoccupation with a hundred and one other things. Do we want this island? Do we want these islands to be fully alive to God? Then spend time in his presence. Enjoy him. Let him enjoy you. He didn't save you to get you to do stuff. He saved you because he loves to be with you. You don't look like I'm saying the right thing to you. 
Do you know our biggest battle, our biggest warfare on the earth today is not Islam. It's not Brexit. And it certainly isn't Donald Duck, I mean Trump. It is. <laughs> you know the biggest battle facing the church today is the battle for intimacy. That's the real warfare that we have to pay attention to. Because without it, we won't see his kingdom come and we won't see his glory manifest. And think about all the wonderful things you could discover about him if you just gave him a little more of the space and time that you give to all kinds of things. Coronation Street won't change you. Strictly won't alter your universe. And the X Factor, well, I think it's lost the X Factor, in my opinion. So Jesus models for us what a real outworking of revival looks like. What the priorities of the Father is to all of us who encounter his glory to come and be with him. The second thing he models for us is that God is never in a hurry. You know, I think sometimes we have this instant kind of mindset about God. But God is never in a hurry. Do you think Jesus didn't know what was happening with his disciples? I think he did know exactly what was happening with the disciples. I might even suggest to you he caused it. Well, if he didn't cause it, he certainly could have stopped it. It wouldn't be the first time that he calmed the waters and the waves, would it? And the winds. So he's letting his disciples go through a little adversity. Does that sound familiar? Have you noticed that he doesn't do that thing that you want him to do, which is escapology? You know, we, we, we think, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. And God says, that's exactly the opposite to how I see this. Because you're a Christian, I put you in here. Because you see, we want to be more than conquerors, but never conquer. God's strategy to change us and to strengthen us and to cause us to mature into the likeness of Christ sometimes has a little adversity attached to it. Doesn't it, Eric? It does. And there's something about adversity that's really good for you. Really good for you. And I know you would never choose it. And God knows we've all prayed these prayers. Have you ever prayed this prayer? God, what are you doing to me? Then have you ever prayed that prayer? How about switching it up for a better prayer? God, what are you doing in me? So Jesus, in his great wisdom, goes back to his source of power. And he's developing and growing and stirring himself in intimacy and connectivity with the Father's love. And at the same time, he's commissioned his disciples to go back into the world from which they'd come from. Having seen all these incredible things, they're now back to where it all began, a boat and some water. A very familiar, but now about to become unfamiliar reality to them. And Jesus allowed it all to happen because God knows what's good for them. Now, I wonder if the upgrade they could have had was that they had seen incredible power and glory work. They could have now applied it in the adverse circumstances of their lives. But you see, we're all like this. They quickly went back to their human default, and that was fear. 
And so these hardened fishermen are now petrified, sitting in a boat, which is a very familiar surrounding to them, not realizing that God had a plan in it. Ever been like that? All hell's breaking loose around you and you don't realize that all heaven is trying to get out of you? That you're the answer to change the environment you find yourself in? Did anybody ever tell you that? Greater is he who is in you? Come on, don't be a plonker for whole of your life. Take a day off. Perhaps the reason that that stuff happens is for you to see the truth of the treasure that lies within you. But see, we bought into a gospel that was going to be easy. You know, Jesus, keep me sweet till I get to heaven and I might keep you sweet for the rest of eternity if I feel like it. So they see something and now they have a chance to live differently, but they don't live differently. They go back to how they were living prior to the revelation. Ever done that? Do you know what? I've never preached this before, but I think this is good. I'm going to get the tape. I think I might get the tape. (laughs) Get the tape. It seems to me that when God moves in power, his real motivation is that we start to process what we've experienced. So Jesus goes to prayer. His disciples go to warfare. And in that interaction with that which was natural around them, they had been given an upgraded perspective of the power of God. It was their hands that fed the people. They saw the nine baskets of leftovers. They understood it was a most amazing, miraculous encounter of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And now they're in a boat. If God could multiply bread, could he through them now stop water? So if you've beheld him and you thought it was now Holidayville with cocktails with umbrellas in and we're going to just la-la till Jesus gets back, I want to suggest to you that the pattern of God is that he now allows a little adversity to come. Why? Because adversity, given the right opportunity, reveals his glory. And who's the right opportunity? You. How am I going to become like him if I don't endeavor to be like him whenever something like that happens to me? And then we do what we do. We start praying. Adversity is always great for our prayer life. Take my jacket off. Oh, my button's undone. Sorry. I'm leading the ladies into... I know I'm bringing back memories of the story of the fatted calf, but please resist them. Resist them. Move, move past them. So we have a beholding moment that now becomes a becoming opportunity for the disciples. And out of that, they do what most people do. They start to pray out of urgency. You ever prayed urgent prayers? Yeah? They're just so dumb. Let me tell you why. God's not in a hurry. So your sense of now might not be his. 
you know what I'm saying? Are you with me or the Woolwich? Who are you with this morning? Your sense of now might not be his. And anyway, don't you as a Christian believe that all things work together for the good of those who are in a boat? Beholding becomes an opportunity to becoming, which they didn't seize. And now they have a moment where they start to revert back to old mindsets like they've never seen the glory of God. And they start praying prayers. And who turns up on the water? Jesus. Now, can I just make a little observation for you and maybe for me? Because they've got upgraded thinking, because they have seen the glory of God, and an adverse circumstance where they could have modeled the glory of God, when the glory of God turns up, they don't recognize it. This has a connection. So Jesus chooses to appear to them in somewhat of a glorified state. Because they start to question whether it's Jesus. Now, I've been in enough problems and prayed enough urgent prayers that weren't on God's economy and not seized enough opportunities to demonstrate what I'd experienced in the beholding moments to know that when God does turn up and answer my prayer, I rarely recognize it as God. Some of us have been in meetings and we've been praying for years, God, shake the nations. Shake the nations, rent the heavens and come down. And you go to a meeting and somebody's at the front like this. That can't be God. Yeah? Hello? God, please send revival. Somebody's laughing. That's definitely not God. Our joy is deep. We're Christians. Australia is where we find it. Why don't we equate laughter with God? Interesting. Because if you were crying, we think you were encountering Jesus. Or repenting. Either is good with us. We're charismaniacs. We like that stuff. A beholding moment becomes a becoming opportunity that is now about to have another beholding moment attached to it. And because they are praying with an old mindset and an old revelation prior to the new upgrade that God gave them, they can't truly accept that it's Jesus. You see, there is a move of the Spirit upon the church and some of us just won't get it. God is moving in our world and we're not happy with it. Don't go, it gets better. We're just not happy with it. Can I just give you a couple of examples? Is it intriguing to you that Hollywood is falling apart? See, I pay attention to that stuff. I'm just drawn to that. Why? Because one of the mountains of influence in our world that shapes every young person's mind and heart and even yours, even though you don't realize it, is Hollywood. And it's so like God to take the rug from under Satan's feet. You will lie down. 
What about finances? 2008? Think that rug got pulled? Talk to me. Come on, come on, come on. Stay with me. Pay attention to what's happening around you. Did we think that was a move of God? Some of us think that ISIS is unpenetratable. And I remember a time when we thought the same thing about communism. But I watched with my eyes as God tore tore down the dividing wall between the West. You see, sometimes my upgraded opportunity gets defaulted back to the prior reality so I don't see what God wants to be for me in this new season of my life. Toronto Blessing, as it was called, which was a move of the Holy Spirit, came in 94, 95, and we were so uptight we didn't like it. Laughing in the church. It's disgraceful. Pensacola came and we didn't like it. It was challenging. We were already aware we were sinners. We didn't need anybody else to tell us we were sinners. And anyway, our sin is our own business, so keep your beak out. God is moving in Islam. Muslims are coming to faith in dreams and visions. The church doesn't like it. (laughs) Come on. Wake up. When we behold, we get a chance to become. And then he reveals himself to us in a more glorified state than we would ever have encountered him before. Because we've upgraded our relationship with him. And the fruit of this invitation is that these disciples didn't get that. And then Peter. I love Peter. Because Peter's, well, I I relate to Peter. I would chop an ear off. Don't tell me you wouldn't. There's many a deacon's meeting I've been in and I've thought, Jesus, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Because if I didn't chop it, I would have bit it, that's for sure. Because Christians don't tell lies, we just sing them. I'm probably not going to be back, am I? I may as well just say everything I think now then. So Jesus turns up and they don't recognize him. That's what Revelation will do for you if you go back to the old mindset that you had before it. Not only will you not see the demonstration of power of God in and through you, which is afforded to you through adversity, because behind adversity is glory. We just have to keep doing what we know to do and then we'll see it. Behind every Goliath is a kingdom. That's the nature of God. That you would overcome in that process and become like him. But then we see him differently. And because we see him differently, we can't see him how we used to see him. So he turns up and answers our prayers. But it may not look like you want it to look. It may not sound like you want it to sound like. And it may not manifest the way it manifested ten years ago. Because his mercies are new every morning. But his faithfulness is great. So it's up to God to move how God believes is right to move. And we might be holding him to a contract that existed ten years before. 
Well, he didn't do it like that when I first knew him. No, he didn't. Because you've changed and he wants to cause you to change again. There's a new revelation to be had. Remember we said we were all right with ever changing? Do you remember that? We all agreed. We all said hallelujah and praise God. This might be an ever-changing moment for you as a congregation. Because God is doing something fresh in the world. It's old, but it's new. It's radical, but it's familiar. It's the same God. He's faithful, but he's moving in power. People in the gay community are coming to faith in their droves. People in the arts are coming to Christ in, in multitudes of thousands. Islam is falling and Christ is rising. You don't need to be frightened by these things and you certainly don't need to be paralyzed by what you see on the television. You should be energized because what it says to us is that God that we love is nearer than he's ever been. Jesus is coming back. Oh yes, of course the enemy is going to shout. But the noise of the earth should be the people of God rejoicing. How great is our God. In the midst of adversity, he's developed in us a glory and a resolute attitude towards that which he has placed in our hearts. We are never going to be the same as we change and become what he's asked us to become. And God, if you want to move in a fresh way, we want to say yes, Lord. And Peter asks the six million dollar question. He doesn't say, that's not Jesus. He said, if it's you, if it's you, what does that demonstrate to us? Curiosity and humility. You see, I've been in environments and people say, that's not God. Well, how long have you known him? Because you might be slightly surprised at some of the things that I've seen that I believe now are very much God. Because God takes the foolish things of this world. That's you, by the way. We're shocked you're saved. And we're even more shocked you're still saved. How did that happen to you? By the grace of God, brother. So if God wanted to move, how God wanted to move in Guernsey, how are you going to respond? Well, the first thing we know Out of curiosity, Peter gets an invitation to live gloriously. I love the church. They sing this song. You call me out across the water, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I am with my rubber ring on. (laughs) Jesus, I love you, but I don't trust that you'll save You see, there are territories that are uncharted for the church just yet. And you might have to get out of your boat. You might just have to get out of it. I often think when Peter was old, would he have retold that story with embellishments? Because I certainly would. Around the campfire of his family, would he have said, I was so confident it was Jesus. Hallelujah. Because you know Peter was African, don't you? You know that, don't you? It's from the Congo. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has even entered the heart of mankind what God has prepared for those who love him. How do we get to a place where we can be partakers of that? Understanding what beholding does in us 
facilitating what beholding can do through us. And not locking Jesus into our past experience will afford us the great privilege of discovering what that truly looks like. And you will never walk on water if you don't understand how the Spirit of God moves. You will never move forward if you don't get the rhythm of how God discloses his power and his authority amongst us. And we will never change, which is a tragedy, because we sing about it, and we listen to sermons about it, unless we understand how the Spirit facilitates it. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Is that okay? Thank you for your patience. I think I'll probably be back with you around Christmas because I overheard the pastors discussing it at the front and they said it'll be a very cold day before we have him back here again. (laughs) Well, just so you know, I've been chucked out of better places than this. So what did you get to see? What has he in his infinite grace revealed to you about his nature, his character, and his ways. That's the real treasury in this room. That's the thing of greatest value in our lives. Because unless I've beheld, I don't have the capacity to become. So take a moment or two just to think about that. How many of us know him as Savior? I mean, no matter what anybody else says, you just know that you know that you know he's your Savior. Give me a wave if that's you. What about healer? You don't think God does these things accidentally, do you? You know that he's very strategic, very specific in the things he reveals to each of us. How many of us know him as healer? How many have had our souls restored by our relationship with Jesus? You do realize that you're now God's secret weapon of mass destruction for depression. Because you who are brought through this incredible adventure of recovery have now authority and dominion to help those around you who are living under their circumstances. That was good. You're luxurious. How many of you know in this room know him as lover? Just the lover of my soul, Simon. I don't know what to do with that. I don't even know how to orchestrate my life around that. I'm in love. I'm in love with a man. It's okay to say that out loud? His name is Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus, Simon. I'm besotted with him. I'm caught up with him. You see, you didn't get that by chance. And you certainly didn't get it by effort. You got that by revelation. You beheld something of his nature and his character. Why? So that you who saw love could become love unto him. And all of that adversity that's happened around your story, that was a place of application for the revelation that you carried. And now you can see Jesus differently. And you can hear his instruction to come and be with him in a deeper way than before. So we're going to throw our hands in the air like we just don't care.
Is that okay? Just so you know, because some of you be wondering, I do have a condition. It's called spiritual Tourette syndrome. I just say things people don't say. Uh, our hands up, baby. Hands up, baby, baby. Give you all your love. So Jesus, who came and is and abides in all of our lives, we give you the highest honor in our gathering today. We simply are speechless at how incredible you are. Our revelations, they're heaven's orchestrations for new invitations to explore what your glory really looks like. So if I truly understood the purpose of adversity, I would embrace it more gloriously. Perhaps that's what James said when he said, consider it pure joy when you experience hardships of all kinds. I need an upgraded mind to do that, Lord. To understand that all things, even the worst day of my life, is working towards the good of my life. But I can't keep you in my past without seeing you in my present. So open my eyes, Lord. Who do you want to be for me in this season of my life? What part of your nature and character do you desire to reveal to me? Because I want to change. I want to become like you. Worship you, Jesus. your spirit of God pour out your spirit of God revealing who you are revealing who you are pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation Lord. wisdom and revelation Wisdom and revelation To know who you are To know who you are, God Jesus, who are you? Who do you want to be for me In this season of my life? I thank you for everything you've given me Every revelation of your heart and your love and your power and your glory. But in this season of adversity, I seek to apply those things that a new reality would be formed. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Fill the air.
like me want to grow in the knowledge of God you have a heart to do that battle for intimacy whatever that looks like for you personally and you have a desire to change from one degree of revelation to the next to the next so that you can see the upgraded perspective of Jesus that the spirit desires to give you having overcome all things would you come forward I'd love to pray with you I just love to bless your journey and to bless what it is God is already doing in you. And if you want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, just come forward. I know time is ticking on and the chicken dinner is calling your name, but Jesus is also calling it too. So please just come out. Just come out if you're thirsty for that and desirous of that and really would love a fresh encounter of God's goodness and a greater clarity about what it is that you carry, any of those things any of those things and if you just think I'd like some prayer and going through a bit of a difficult patch then we'd really just love to lay hands on you if you're sick in your body having seen God do some amazing things I have a great sense of faith that he's going to meet you in your difficulty so please just come out and if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you really just would love to experience the Spirit of God for the first time come out in fact everybody come out Come out, be thirsty and hungry and zealous for more of him. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Healing Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanzelem.co.uk.